This is the movie Hall of Fame, class of 1999 for Saturday, June 29th, 2019. It's about time. We back. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah. I blame you. You blame me? Yeah, we were going to do it Wednesday, and then you, you, you fucked up. Dude, I blame you and your timeshare. Oh, my God. What? Wasted too much time. What? Because I decided to take a vacation? A much-needed vacation from this thing? It, was, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't from my actual job. It was really from this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you need, like, a leave. You'd like a medical leave from this thing. <laughs> yeah, medical What are you going to, like, club me over the head? He always taking a medical leave. Yeah. Get rid of him. Paternal leave. <laughs> that's, that's what the dads do right now, right? They give them, like, two months off when their wives have a baby. Is there is that an actual thing? Oh, that's a thing now. Really? Yeah, yeah that's Ooh. a thing that people want to do is the paternal leave. Yo, I love that. Okay. I, I think it's that. kind of pussy shit. I'm going to have so many kids. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just jump right into it. It is the class of 1999 yep. Nico edition. This oh, week. Last week we we split this thing up into two. Your six movies up for induction were Toy Story 2 being John Malkovich, South Park Bigger Longer and Uncut, The Matrix Fight Club. And the Blair Witch Project, we settled on the Matrix as the first inductee from the year 1999. And now, I've nominated six films, and one of those six will join the Matrix yep. in the Movie Hall of Fame. Yeah. Even though Fight Club should be on this list as well. But Can you air your grievances? Just get this out of the we way. We fucked up. No, I was, I was no saying... No one fucked up anything. Yes. No, no, no. I fucked up, and that's okay. What? You're going to say that I didn't fuck up? That, that's new. New well, for you. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is the one instance you're like, no, you're fine, Adam. No, I think that my list of six is just as strong as your list of six, it if not stronger. It would be if it had Fight Club on it, is what I'm saying. I'm saying that I overdid it, and I should have let you take either Fight Club or The Matrix. And how do you know I would have done that? I don't know. You would have definitely taken The Matrix. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a game of chicken that you and I play yeah, every sure. week. That's how these things go. And that's the issue. It's like, oh, shit. Like, because I, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, yeah, no, it really honestly should be. As far as, like, what encapsulates 1999, it should seriously be Fight Club in the Matrix. Well. But because I got a little too indulgent, I fucked this one. <laughs> Dems to breaks, man. I fucked this one. That's what you get for getting indulgent. Yeah. And now it's going to end up being, like, fucking, like, Magnolia and the Matrix or whatever. I think this worked out great. I know. I and know I'm looking do. forward to this podcast today. That's okay. Because I assigned a number of these movies to you, and I will be hearing your thoughts <laughs> on these movies for the first time on microphone. And many of them are some of my favorite movies ever. So Might be some of my favorite movies ever. This is going to be fun. I-, I promised, I teased this last week, my list of honorable mentions. This is a very long yeah. list. Oh there are... This is going to take forever. And by the way, I added some to the list. There are now 39... <laughs> honorable mention don't even talk about them just go <laughs> go what a stacked year i do want to say this was a really good year for like teen movies oh yeah high school movies and we didn't nominate a single one of well them. no we nominated one election as a teen movie mm-hmm. but not yeah good point <laughs> not really so yeah. i just want to pay homage to some of them many of them i haven't seen and so i apologize yeah. she's all that is one of those along with cruel intentions 10 things i hate about you uh, a lot of good rom-coms like yep. Notting Hill, Thomas Crown Affair, um, stuff like uh, I had other ones on here. Was, oh, oh, Varsity Blues, another high school movie. Was Clueless a 90, 1999? No, Clueless okay. was a little bit earlier. Okay, yeah, 
So I, I just want to say those are movies that I have heard are quite good. Oh, American Pie, another one. Oh, yeah. That's like an iconic comedy. I may have some regrets about not putting that one on, but just on a, just because of like the <sighs> impact and the cultural stuff. I can't say that I have any regrets for that one. Yeah. I like that movie, but eh. I think we did a good job. Okay. Some other ones. October Sky. I actually, you know what? I That's another one I, I, I like it. Laura Dern. I like it a lot. Jake Gyllenhaal. I just saw a great interview with Jake Gyllenhaal, and he made a great comment about art, by the way. You'll love this. He's, was this on the BBC? No, no. It was like his like Wired or, or GQ thing where he's talking about uh, his most iconic roles. He said this awesome thing about art. He said, uh, art is made to uh, disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. And I'm like, whoa. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, that is awesome. I dig it. <laughs> Hall has been like on a on a tear on this media tour for Spider-Man. Yeah, I know. some great appearances. Analyze this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Love it. Really funny movie. Billy Crystal yeah. De Niro. Also a what's the guy that wrote Manchester by the Sea? Kenneth Lonergan. He wrote that? He wrote that movie. Okay, didn't Ivan Reitman? Or not not I uh, uh fucking Jesus Christ. Harold Ramis. Directed it? Directed it. Might have, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. You ever seen Go? No. Awesome. Go. Doug Lyman. Go. Right. Really good thriller. What a name. Yeah, great one. The Mummy. Important movie. Don't really like it that much. Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, Jim Jaramouche, Forrest Whitaker. Never seen. Heard good things. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Best movie ever. Of course. Uh, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Great movie. <laughs> As all of them are. Tarzan. It's a Disney movie. Needs to be mentioned. I like that one. Yeah, it's all right. Big Daddy, the like one of like three Adam Sandler comedies <clears throat> I can tolerate. Really, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <coughs> it's back. Contain yourself. Uh, I like that one. Okay, American Beauty. We talked about enough. It's just like yeah. not the best movie of the year, and the yeah. Oscars got it so wrong. Okay. Three Kings almost nominated it. David O. Russell, really dig it. War movie, The Straight Story. That's one that I was like, ah, you know, oh, I, I, I could have gone with that one. That's a good one. Any other year, that would have been a nice, like, sixth nominee to yeah. throw on. Just to talk about. Yeah, because you know? I really like it, and it's like David Lynch making a G-rated Disney movie. Yeah. Um, but just too stacked of a year, unfortunately. Boys Don't Cry, uh, dark, heavy movie, kind of depressing, really good. Bringing Out the Dead, <laughs> one of those Scorsese movies I ride for, Nick Cage. And one that I don't really ride for, I... Which is surprising. I ride for it the same reason I ride for After Hours. Similar sort of vibe. Yeah, I agree, even though I think After Hours is significantly better. I agree with you. Still kind of fun. Dogma, one of Nick Evangelista's favorite movies ever. You don't like Dogma at all. I like Dogma. Ugh. You do? Mm -hmm. I'm just sick of those guys. (laughs) Just sick of that whole crew. They're on this list. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean you're sick of them? I'm just sick of the whole Kevin Smith thing, man. Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't, what do you mean? You're so, like he—he he never had a run. He was never good aside from one movie. Well, I think that's my larger problem. Okay, is that he made one pretty good movie and then ten shitty movies. Sure. And we're still like, oh, Kevin Smith, indie darling. I haven't seen Chasing Amy. Pretty good. Okay, so I, I've been meaning to watch that. It's all right. It's one yeah. of his better ones. Okay. Iron Giant. Oh, we movie? talked about that last week. Almost made the list. Movie that we love. Girl Interrupted. Yeah, all right, thriller. Any given Sunday, Pacino, Oliver Stone, football movie. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, 
one of the great Pacino monologues at the end of that movie. Really? All right. Yeah, pretty shitty movie until that final monologue. <laughs> what do you, it's a shitty movie, and you you were thinking of like giving it an honorable mention? Well, it's Just like... because it's Al Pacino? No, that final monologue is great. Oh, my God. It's like run-of-the-mill, like, inspirational sports movie until the, uh, Pacino just does his thing at the end. You're so predictable. <laughs> Man on the Moon! Ooh, a movie that I don't love, I think is pretty good. And I feel, feel like it's underrated enough to at least discuss. What's better, Man on the Moon or Jim and Andy? Did you see the documentary? <sighs> yes, I did. Uh, Man on the Moon. Okay. I love Jim and Andy. Yeah, I, I don't. It's I don't know. It's a lot of bullshit. Yeah, but so is the movie. Sure, Galaxy Quest, a movie, a movie that I love, a movie that you ha- didn't even know you had seen, right? Until we watched Starship Troopers, and you're like, "Oh, this is some. This is not that other movie." What do you? I see. I, I think about that. It's like, how do you mix those two up? They're completely different in almost every way. It's like the same name, dude. <laughs> They're in space. Galaxy Quest and Starship Troopers. What? They came out like a year apart from each other. They're in space. I don't know. They're in space. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> They're kind of comedies, both of them, sorta. So, so you. What? <laughs> Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver. I, I, no, I, I, once I figured out what Galaxy Quest was, I realized I liked it. I okay. saw it many years ago. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. It's a Star Trek parody, and one is a comment on like fascism and, and media and all that other shit, and it's uber-violent and all that other good stuff. Green Mile, talked about, should have been nominated. Yep. Adam decided to play chicken, That's and good. we all lost. We did. The Hurricane, yeah, Denzel's good in it. Yeah. Um... Eyes wide shut. <laughs> you know what? I I almost wanted to nominate this just to talk about it, even though I don't. Neither of us l- particularly like this movie. I do think there's a lot to discuss. Yeah, what to do about eyes wide shut? I mean, that being said, though, as far as like uh, the image of Tom Cruise, I don't think it's the worst one <laughs> on this. In terms of like portraying Tom Cruise as like a good person, I don't think. It's, oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, there is a worse one on this list. I'm just saying. Well, we'll talk about this when we get to Magnolia, but 1999 was the year that broke Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And I think you can't tell that story without talking about Eyes Wide Shut. Very true. I see myself in like 10 years watching Eyes Wide Shut on cable again. Just being like, wow. Yeah, and being like, wow, I was so wrong. Yeah. I'm ready to fall in love with it. I just haven't sure. yet, you know? Following Christopher Nolan? Haven't seen it yet still. Pretty good. Uh, number of shit movies. <laughs> that came out that year worth mentioning Lake Placid oh a movie that I love yeah. I love Lake Placid Ed TV okay uh, Deep Blue Sea I love Deep Blue Sea you haven't seen don't 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 call Deep Blue Sea shitty okay don't just stop it don't say that and Wild Wild West <laughs> okay yeah that's a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> you also got Summer of Sam Spike Lee never saw The Limey oh <sighs> You love the limey, oh. don't you? I should have just nominated it to make you watch it. Yeah, it, se- it seems like a movie that I would cl- quite love. I actually had a film professor recommend that to me when I was doing volunteer work up at Yale. Oh, yeah? And he was like, oh, my God, what's that movie with- that Soderbergh made? And it was, oh, and he's just describing the plot to me. I'm like, limey? He's like, that's it? Oh, my God, I love that movie. You have to see it. Like, that kind of thing. Great L.A. movie. Yeah. Great revenge movie. Ooh. Fun performances. But like a subversion of the revenge subgenre, which mm-hmm. I really appreciate. It's right. just classic Soderbergh. Is it better than Blue Ruin in the re- subversive revenge films? 
Similar tone. Oh, ooh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. similar. I, I think Blue Ruin's probably a little funnier. Really? Okay. And a little, I guess it's more stylized. Man, that's that's close, though. Hmm. Yeah, the, I could actually see them close in my head, though. They, mm-hmm. they have a lot in common. Interesting. And then one more thing, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, <laughs> which is a movie that we really like. Both of us really like. No, I love Lock, I lo- it's my It's probably my favorite Guy Ritchie film. So by... The rules. Oof. This got a 98 UK release and a 99 American release. So mm. depending on how you categorize it, it's a 99 movie or a 98 movie. Okay. So. All right. I'm done. Cool. It's a lot of movies. It's yeah. too many movies, really. A lot of movies that came out that year. Yeah. Here are my six nominees for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame. Office Space. Yes. The Insider. Election. The Talented Mr. Ripley. The Sixth Sense and Magnolia. Solid list, Adam. Yeah, it's pretty good. Solid fucking list. I see this list. I it pumps me up, dude. Drool. It's I mean it's no uh, previous week's list, but you know whatever. Dude, you had two fucking cartoons on the last (laughs) list. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Two of the greatest cartoons ever. Mind you, bro. Mind you, you had you had. I had the fucking Matrix on my list. God damn it! You had you had two (laughs) cartoons and a movie about a fucking puppet that goes into an actor's head. So don't start with me, bro. This is the list. This is the list. It's the list. Nah. Come on, if we're, we, we we gotta we gotta bring. This is when we bring people on to debate the list. Now let's get really specific with this shit. Who has the better list? It's gotten so meta. I'll put a poll up. Twitter. Will pull <laughs> Who up. has the better list? Oh. All right, that's a good idea. First off, Office Space, written and directed by Mike Judge, based on his Dilbert comics, mm-hmm. starring Rob Livingston. No, sorry, Ron Livingston. Yep. I wrote that wrong. Jennifer Aniston, Stephen Root, and Gary Cole. Nominated for zero Academy Awards, three company workers who hate their jobs decide to rebel against their greedy bosses. Mm-hmm. You were a little skeptical when I nominated this, weren't you? Yeah, I don't get it. Really? Yeah, it's not. It's it's. I don't. I don't go as far to say that I'm not even sure it deserved to be nominated. Wow. I, I I saw this movie like again, and maybe it's just because I haven't seen it in a while. I should have rewatched this movie because it really has been a long time since I've seen it. But I just remember being like, ah, oh, yeah, like like it's really good and it's very very funny. But I rem- there's nothing about it that I I felt like it was overshadowed by almost every other film we picked. Mm. I was like, hmm, even that one's just kind of strange. Like I even think that South Park to me made a much bigger splash than this. Really? Oh yeah. Well, I don't think America agrees with you because like Office Space has gained a tremendous cult following over the years Mm. and it's one of those movies that i can like quote to people especially people that work in offices Mm -hmm. and they get it and i actually think you Mm. could trace like the history of the office tv show and a lot of those dry run-of-the-mill day-in-the-life sitcoms to office space Mm. it's a very plain comedy it's not particularly broad no it's not loud the performances are understated but there's something real to it and relatable to it, mm-hmm. and it. I just love comedies like that. I love comedies that can find the funny and the larger than life in the small and mundane things. Until they start like beating up a, a fax machine or whatever. Yeah, the fuck they it is. do. You know, it gets there. <laughs> you know, yeah, but that's not like. And I guess they almost blow up the building. Yeah. Well, they do. Well, they don't blow. Uh, Stephen Root sets it on fire. Sets it on fire. So, yeah. You know, there's also that, and I wouldn't say it's completely understated. I mean, but I do know what you mean. Where it's it's 
for, for the most part, like those just those uh, small little moments where like with the boss being like, yeah, I'm going to need you to go ahead and move your desk to the basement. So, yeah. 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 I'm going to need you to work this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I love that shit. Gary Cole is fucking great in everything he's in Mm -hmm. he is he was in the west wing he was in veep veep just came to an end Mm -hmm. this guy is such a great comedic actor that has not gotten his due this is somehow his most iconic performance but he is so perfect as like the annoying boss that's trying to be diplomatic and work his way up the the ladder the Mm -hmm. corporate ladder but everyone just hates Hates him and they hate him because of how polite he tries to be even though, like, underneath, he's just a monster. He's just a monster. He doesn't, doesn't really care about anybody. He's Sociopath. Just, yeah, exactly. He's he's really... Yeah, he's one of those guys that I only really see as, like, a character actor, honestly. Right. I don't see him... Like, he was in Pineapple Express, too. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, which I actually kind of like him in. But again, it's it's like I... <sighs> he does deserve a little bit more credit, I would say. He honestly. does. He does. I mean, I wouldn't say that he's a leading man by any stretch no. of the imagination. He's a terrific character actor. But he is so good in these comedies. Yeah, I like, agree. He's so perfect. And, you know, for a movie that bombed at the box office, it truly bombed, did not do well, not even critically. It was a very small audience, and it only gained word of mouth by DVD release. He's a major part of that. He may be the oh, most yeah. iconic <clears throat> character in all of this. Probably. Um, it's either that or Steven Root, honestly. Yeah. Because this is the thing is like I think as far as like like as far as a cultural impact, a lot of people still quote the uh have you seen my stapler thing? Yeah. Constantly. The red stapler, yeah. Because I, I I don't know if this movie's as as quoted as as maybe like like pie, um Jesus Christ. Uh American Pie. Yeah. I still think that this movie is kind of buried underneath all the other movies that came out that year. Because this is a move this is a very like iconic year for film. Yep. And even even films like Fight Club, The Matrix, and uh what else did we have? You know, in in a, in Sixth Sense, it's just, uh, it, I I will say that it's impressive that it managed to squeak by and have somewhat of a voice. You know, much after it got released. You know, yeah, for what it is, especially for the fact that it bombed. Certainly, I do want to say about that stapler quote. Mm-hmm. Milton, the character played by Stephen Root, was actually based on an old coworker that Mike Judge worked with during his days <laughs> as an engineer. Yeah. One day, Judge went to the man and asked him how he was doing. And the worker began talking about how he was going to quit his job because he was forced to move his desk around too many times. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of this um, script was based on Mike Judge's personal experiences. Mm-hmm. He was sort of at this dead-end office job in the mid-90s, just doodling away at cartoons. And eventually that turned into Beavis and Butthead, uh, turned into the Dilbert comics, and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. But there is such a mundanity to this, and... I, I just see a lot of The Office in this. I see a lot of Steve Carell in Gary Cole. I see a lot of Dwight Schrute in Steven Root's character. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, and also like Jennifer Aniston is in this movie. Yeah. And I'm, it's kind of weird that the movie bombed with such a big star. She was like the biggest comedy actress of the time. That's true. And she's quite, her stuff with the flair. Oh, yeah. She just has to wear a certain amount of flair. A certain amount of flair. And then she just totally gives up. <laughs> I love that shit. It's so real, and I sympathize with it. And since working in an office, yeah. I understand the humor more than I would have as a kid when I first saw this movie. I give it that. I'd, I still... I, I, I don't know. I guess you don't. I don't know. I love office space. No, I like it quite a bit. I just... I, I don't know. I just think there are, you know, more noteworthy things... <laughs> Okay. More more noteworthy things that maybe we didn't nominate, like, you know, the Green Mile. 
It wasn't me that didn't nominate the Green Mile. It was you that didn't nominate the Green Mile. Didn't I leave it up to you? I think you did. So, But I at first nominated it, and then you decided to play mind games on me. Oh, yeah. And I said, fuck this, and I flipped <laughs> the table over. By the way, we are not done with the mind games today. When we draft for next year's slate, <laughs> next week's slate, get ready, my friend. Yeah. It's fine. I could be really shitty about it. I might be really shitty about it. You will. I'll, I'll and win. I'm ready. Okay. Dude, the bullet is in the chamber. Get fucking ready, dude. Okay. Next one. <laughs> Next movie on the list. <laughs> the Insider. Oh, yeah. The Insider. One that I assigned to you. <clears throat> one of the many that you assigned to me. Jesus Christ. Written and directed by <laughs> Michael Mann, starring Al Pacino, Russell Crowe, and Christopher Plummer. Nominated for seven Oscars, mm-hmm. including Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound 1-0. Of those honors, a research chemist comes under personal and professional attack when he decides to appear in a 60 minutes expose on Big Tobacco. Adam, your thoughts, sir? Oh, man. Oh, man. The Insider. Fucking love this movie. Yeah, this you movie did. is dope. Yeah, you did. Uh, it's probably my favorite Michael Mann film. If I'm being completely honest with you, wow. Like, because I think before it would have been Collateral. Yeah, which is kind of funny. And then uh, below that would have been Heat. But I think I gotta say, I think I actually like this more than both of them. I'm so happy. It's strange though because I don't. I think this movie starts a little slow i don't think it starts strong for me it doesn't really end all that strong either if i'm being honest i think it's kind of anticlimactic uh but like oh my god like the 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 journalism story in between that is like the best shit i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) it's so thrilling i'm so happy oh my god i'm so happy you're saying this oh it's the best and and i had to it's like it's one of those things where i i go into i'm like Russell Crowe and Al Pacino, like, what the fuck? And they are so fucking good. Are they great? <laughs> they are so amazing. No, they really hit you out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like you assume Pacino, he's already done Heat, he's already done Scent of a Woman, already done Scarface. Mm-hmm. You just assume that it's going to be one of those phoning it in late no. period Al Pacino performances. And you also assume that Russell Crowe is going to be as stiff and, yep. and non-charismatic as he always is. <laughs> but I think... For both of them, it's among their greatest performances. Yeah. It's maybe Russell Crowe's greatest performance in a way. Yeah. I have never felt so bad for a character. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And I've never felt seen someone so like... like like, it's funny with Al Pacino because the character is so desperate. And I'm constantly watching it and trying to figure out, like, does he honestly care about what's going on? Or is he... <clears throat> Is he just doing it for his own benefit for the show and that sort of juggle back and forth? I really just love it. It's very interesting to watch, especially towards the end where you f- start to find out how invested and how much he actually cares for it. But it's different because this came at a time where Al Pacino was like, hoo you know? <laughs> right. The, 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 you know, the unfortunate Al Pacino, as we'll say. Even four years earlier, I mean, he's really good in Heat, but you but still it's have little... the, she got a big ass <laughs> scene. Yeah, I don't even, it's... It's unfortunate because I I feel like this this almost makes up for that. It does. There's such there's something so because he does kind of go for it in scenes, but it's so grounded in a different way that he kind of isn't. Yeah. I don't know. I just it just really really worked for me in that way. He he was just cued perfectly. I think that's man's direction. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, part of the problem with Pacino is that when he works with weak directors, like say the guy that made Scent of a Woman, yeah, or 
like any late period Pacino performance from the 2000s. The guys just get out of his way yeah. and let him do his thing. And at times that sort of borders on indulgence and overindulgence. And I think Michael Mann is just such a distinctive voice that Pacino trusts. And he allows man to direct him and cue him in the way that he feels is best. Yep. Um, and so I give him an entire credit for this. Um, every performance in this is just terrific. I agree with you. I think it's Russell Crowe's best performance. He was nominated for the Oscar. I think you could make an argument that he should win mm-hmm. over Kevin Spacey that year. I think it's a better performance than Spacey. Oh, God, yeah. And also, I'll tell you who else I love in this movie. Christopher fucking Plummer. Plummer is so good. Oh, I love, 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 love the scene at the uh, towards the end where they're in the hotel together, him and Al Pacino. Yeah, and they're just like so like done and defeated, and he's just sit, you know, just, just take. They're just like sitting down and just opening up to each other, and it's so honest and real, and just and they, it's it's not something that I I guess I would have that I'm used to out of, out of Pacino or Christopher Plummer at this point in their careers, where they can just like sit back and just like open up to each other. They're just so ugh. warm. Yeah. I love it. It's like, How about the scene in the middle where they're in the boardroom and Pacino oh. is explaining the Brown and Williamson merger Yeah, and Plummer's like, uh, I'm with Don on this. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And it's just like this crushing blow. Yep. Christopher Plummer plays Mike Wallace, the famed 60 Minutes anchor, and this is what on paper should be a very boring run-of-the-mill journalism story about broadcast news and yep. big tobacco. <laughs> It's not like really it's not like all the president's men which is about fucking Watergate. Yeah. It's a very small story, but it feels so big with Michael Mann's direction. Well, I was going to say like this is a taut like urgent movie. Like yeah. it's stressful. Yeah. It's stressful as fuck and and the, it's it really shows with the performances and the direction. I mean, part of the part of the reason this movie works so well for me is cuz it is it's quite long but it moves. Right. It moves, it moves. I love it. Yeah. And you wouldn't expect that out of this sort sort of story at all. Yeah. First time I saw this movie, I was in high school, probably like 16, 17. My dad loves it, and he told me to watch it. And I knew who Mike Wallace was, but I don't think I had ever seen him on 60 Minutes before. And when I watched the movie for the first time, I was like, oh, wow. They got Mike Wallace to play himself in this movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea who Christopher Plummer was. Yep. That's how transformative that performance is. Oh, God. And yeah. that's how like accurate and in the weeds the story feels. Mm-hmm. It's both a thrilling Michael Mann classic in that way. You know, it's shot very up close and personal. It's all tight, handheld oh, yeah. camera. It's very blue. It's, it looks a lot like Heat. Mm-hmm. But the script, and this is another credit to the genius of Michael Mann, the script is very detailed and very meticulous. Mm-hmm. And it, like any great journalism movie, keeps you engaged with is what a, a horribly boring and mundane field of work. Yep. Um, yeah, I love absolutely everything about this. I will say to your earlier point, you said that it sort of starts slow and ends slow. It's because this movie's like a three hour epic. Yes. Like there's a lot of shit in this. Like there are multiple villains. Oh, yeah. That poke their heads out. Like, at first, it's just a story about big tobacco and all the death threats that Russell Crowe is mm-hmm. facing. And then you have this extra corporate stuff with CBS and the merger and 60 Minutes and the powers that be. So it sort of it turns into multiple stories as it goes along. Yeah. And I, I just think, like, you can't tell this story 
in an hour and a half long package. You have to give it more time to breathe. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not that it felt long. It's just like, like the ultimate conclusion to uh, the whole tobacco scandal. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, it makes sense, but it's like, oh, that's it. Okay. All right. right fine. Right. It didn't really matter because, again, like beforehand, it's it, it doesn't like ruin the film for me. It's not like a like a broken ending. It's yeah. just like, oh, a little bit more. But um, uh, that like I said, what came before is just so exciting. Yep. And it should not have been as exciting as it was. But this is, I mean, it's leaps and bounds ahead of, like, the post. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, oh, but, are you serious? Uh, yeah. But honestly, there's times when I was like, this is this is scarier than all the president's men in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I don't, it, again, like you said before, it's just about big tobacco. It's like, what? Right. But it's, it is just a, I mean, just so much anxiety watching this film. I yeah. love it though. And again, it's a big tribute to his direction. Like you said, that the tightness and that, that shaky can style it's actually used quite effectively here. Yeah. It's one of the few times where I don't mind this film getting as close as it does. Dude. I just remember that scene where Russell Crowe is, I guess, contemplating suicide. Mm. And Pacino's on the phone with him on the beach. Tell him to get on the fucking phone. Oh, my God. And he's pacing the beach. <laughs> I love it. And it's like, you know, you could easily set that scene. Like, he could just be in his bedroom on the phone. Yep. But there's not the same, like, uh, urgency to it mm -hmm. as him pacing back and forth while on forced vacation from CBS. Like, there's just so many smart directorial choices and storytelling choices mm -hmm. that the movie makes. And that's why there are a million just iconic scenes in this movie for me there's that scene in the courtroom where bruce mcgill the guy this is kentucky mm. remember that scene where yeah. he's like you know, oh it's a great scene where he's talking about the the you know he's battling the the prosecutor and who's calling objection every other uh every other <laughs> every other second man what else is there to say about this movie it's, it's just awesome i'm just so glad you enjoyed it oh i loved it yeah. i loved it i loved it i actually think it could be the best movie of the year and there's that, a there's a Maybe. There's an argument to be made for it. If you just take everything aside and say, what is the highest quality movie of the year? Mm. It's this one. It's, it's certainly in the top five. Yeah. Certainly. Maybe even the top three. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to point out. There was sort of a meta narrative to this. I read this in the book, best movie year ever, Brian Rafferty. Um, there's a sort of, there was a corporate element because Disney funded this thing. It was a $70 million to Disney movie back when like Disney made like adult movies. They did? Well, sort of adult movies, yeah. Okay. It was like under the, the Buena Vista um, label. Weird. Yeah. Disney spent like $70 million on this movie and it bombed. But yeah. one of the concerns while they were making it is lawsuits. Because, yeah. So they did a lot of fact checking behind the scenes. Lawyers combed through this script because Disney at the same time was going through a corporate merger of their own. Oh. So there's sort of this oh, interesting, interesting meta narrative of Disney and ABC. They're this sister company or, or uh, at least they're, they're a peer to CBS and they're sort of telling the story of CBS of, and hoping to avoid a lawsuit of their own in order to protect their own merger. So it's just sort of interesting that Hollywood and as like the, the biggest name in Hollywood you could possibly have is Disney. They're telling a story about corporate greed and malfeasance. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it hurt the movie at all. I don't think it pulls any punches and is, I, I wouldn't say like forgiving of 60 minutes by any stretch of the imagination nope. or even Mike Wallace nah, who was kind of really. pissed off at the movie because they said they, that he, uh, that Michael Mann depicted his character in a more cynical way. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I didn't dislike the character at all. <coughs> well, there's I mean, sort of, I certainly sympathize with him in a lot of instances. There's sort of this implication that, <coughs> 
he he came to the right conclusion, but he only came to the right conclusion after Pacino pushed him that way. Sure. So he was on the wrong side of history until, you know, Pacino pushed him to the right side of history. And I think he remembers it a lot more heroically. Well, but I don't know. That's like any sort of actor or person on television, though, so... Yeah, good point. Who's to say? I'm glad you liked it. Are you coughing again? What is the matter with you? Dude, you gotta stop smoking that tobacco, bro. Oh, God. This is what big tobacco does to you. Jesus Christ. Fuck you, insider. Doesn't prove the importance of this story. Through me, I'm gonna die on Mike. Tortious interference. All right. I think I'm okay. You fine? Take another gulp of water. You're gonna be okay. Dude, you've been very sick on this podcast. What's up with you? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's just you. Oh, maybe. <laughs> All right. Another one. We're going to do another one. Election. Yeah. Written and directed by Alexander Payne, starring Matthew Broderick, Reese Witherspoon, and Chris Klein. Nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Academy Awards. A high school teacher's personal life becomes complicated as he works with students during the school's elections, particularly with an obsessive overachiever determined to become student body president. Talk to me, Adam Hall. <laughs> All right. Uh, ooh, this is, this is going to be fun. <clears throat> okay, why do you like this movie? I don't like where this is going. Why do you like this movie? Are you interrogating me now about why I like election? Yeah. I think it's fucking hysterical. Yeah, yeah. I think it is incredibly sharp as a work of political commentary and satire. I adore Reese Witherspoon in this. I think the Tracy Flick character is um is iconic for you know, at times bad reasons, but I think says a lot about this generation, about millennial ambition specifically young women and their ambition in the political landscape. And uh, I just love the style. I love Alexander Payne. I love his voice. And I think this is his best movie. And I could make the argument this is also one of the best movies in 1999. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> that's awesome, because I agree with everything you just said. Yes! <laughs> Let me make something perfectly clear. Yes! I fucking love this movie. Yes! <laughs> it's my second... Yes! This is my second favorite movie on your list. <laughs> but this movie... High five! <laughs> you are making my week! <laughs> but I was watching... I was surprised that you liked it as much as you did. <laughs> Why? Because this is... To me, it's so much more an Adam film. Oh. If I'm being honest, I was like, whoa, this is like my kind of movie. Because it's cynical? It's cynical. It, it brushes with very broad strokes. It's making a very fine point. It's not as subtle, but it's not, it's not subtle in a good way, and I love that. Uh-huh. And its sense of humor is just like off the fucking wall. It's so good. It's great. <laughs> it's so funny. I, I, it, I get to the point where he's having sex with his wife, and then the head starts oh swapping. And, and she's just like, do it, Mr. M. Do it. <laughs> Fuck me. Fuck me, Mr. M. Fill me up. Do it. I'm Fill just, me up. I'm just like, Nico likes this movie? What? <laughs> this is not a Nico movie. I understand what you mean, but I find it so funny. Oh, and God. I, so I can't. When they're praying, 
The yeah. scene where they have the montage. <laughs> God, I don't really believe in you. but <laughs> Yeah, but I really need to win this election tomorrow. And then they cut to Chris Klein, who's like, God, thank <clears throat> you for everything you've given me, including what I've been told is an abnormally large penis. <laughs> that is... So- Chris Klein is so fucking funny, fucking funny in this, bro. He's yep. so good. And I understand... It is a dirty movie. Oh, yeah. In the subject matter, obviously, the, the presentation is like classic teen comedy. Sure. But in its <clears throat> content, it's like a movie about affairs and lies and deceit and the ills of our American political system. Um, but I just I just love the delivery. I just love how much joy this movie brings me, even though it's incredibly cynical. Oh, I thought it's almost cruel at times. Yeah. Especially towards like the, the wive characters and, and just ha- how it lets... Uh, Reese Witherspoon's character get away with so much, but how like honest and real that kind of is. Yep, I love what it has to say about image and how we form our own image or what we have to do to 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 get what we want. And yeah, it's it's not always pretty. And uh, I, it, to me, it I, I sort of identify with it in a lot of ways. I was like, I've seen so many people like this on 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 so many different spectrums. I I, I know Reese Witherspoon's character. Oh yeah, I know this person to a T. Yes, I do. I know Chris Klein's character. I know uh, whoever plays the lesbian. Yeah. Tammy, uh, Jessica Campbell yeah. is the actress's yeah. name. Yeah. I know the people who would just do it for the sake of doing it just for like anarchy. Right. I'm like, yeah, like I get this. It, this makes perfect sense to me. But, you know, it, it it does what I love in that it takes like what would the, the premise would normally be something that is simply not interesting or entertaining at all. And it decides to just blow it up. Right. And make it just this explosive, flavorful, just like yelling kind of a thing yep. and have so much fun doing it. And in doing so, it, it's, it's, oh my God, it's like, it's like just this violent comedy and I love it. It is a violent comedy. I, oh God, it was so great. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, no, this is like one of the better comedies I've seen. And I can't believe it's been so long since I've seen it, but this is excellent. It's an excellent movie. I'm it could, so happy. It could be my favorite film on the list. I oh don't know. Oh my god, I'm so happy you feel this yeah, way. Yeah, this movie is awesome. Yeah. I think you're right. Tracy Flick and the Pick Flick meme has been on and off the internet for a number of years. The cupcakes, her holding the cupcakes, the button machine oh my god. at the beginning. I do know a lot of people like that, and I don't always love people like that, but this movie, although it is biting in its satire, I think still gives you a reason to sympathize with Tracy mm-hmm. and understand why her life is the way that her life is. Like you get a peek just in one brief scene with her mom. Oh yeah. When she loses the election. Oh yeah. And her mom's like, yeah, Tracy, I told you, maybe we should have put some more posters up or maybe we should have. Have you ever, as haven't your parents done that to you before? When you like, you didn't do something just right on like a test or something, or you're making like a project out of arts and crafts. It's like maybe you would have gotten that A if you just done a little more of this. See, I can't say that was my upbringing, but I certainly know people that it was their upbringing. It happened. It happened to me a couple times. Okay, well, <laughs> I certainly know other members of my family that are like that with their kids, and I feel very bad for them because I see like sometimes what that can do when it's just you're constantly beat down by your parents and not encouraged and not picked up at your worst moments. Um, it's just to the extreme. Like, this is a mother that is overly ambitious herself. She's an attorney, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tracy just wants to follow in her footsteps and make her single mother proud. Mm-hmm. So, yes, she does some pretty bad things in this movie. And she's not someone you would want to hang out with. But No one it, does hang out with her. Well, that's true. But it is certainly someone you can sympathize with. 
And I would say similar things about Matthew Broderick, who I think is really good in this movie, but whose character is somehow even less defensible. I, he's almost the funniest thing about this movie, though. Yeah. I love this. Like, cause one of my favorite little bits of comedy just in general is when someone is just beaten down and they're just reacting to the things around them. Right. And he does it so well, like, especially when he's given the cupcake and he's just, like, totally dead inside that he's taking the <laughs> cupcake. <laughs> How about he walks in on his mistress talking to his wife and oh confessing my. the affair? <laughs> that face he makes. And he's more- like, eh, I'm just going to go now. <laughs> I guess I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> I fucking love that shit. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a a simple man or serious man, right? Uh, oh, yeah. It's kind of like true. the bad things keep happening to him, and he has not. Fi- I mean, they're they happen to him for good reason in this mm-hmm. movie, as opposed to a serious man. But there's just sometimes so much comedy in watching just, people suffer. Yeah, in a really perverse way. But I, I find his whole arc, especially like when he gets like stung in the eye by the bee. Oh my god, it's great. <laughs> he's stuck with a giant bulging eye socket for the rest of the movie. It's so oh. good. And again, these characters are not good people. We no, should point not, that out. Almost not. I, honestly, aside from, I guess, maybe Chris Klein. Yeah. He's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or like the, the, the Tam, Tam or whatever, her, the lesbian character. She's Metzler. Not, Paul so, Metzler and Tammy Westler, Metzler. They're not so bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, pretty much everyone else is just a deprived human being, and it's or depraved human being, and it's just great. It's great to see depraved human beings tear themselves apart. Like in the first five to ten minutes of this movie, a man in his thirties, oh my god, speaking to a friend of his in the teacher's lounge, says about a young high school student, "You could not believe how wet her pussy gets." That's another moment. I'm like. <laughs> Nico likes this movie. It's, this, I mean, it's, it's just, both, it, but it's both like thematically and literally in your face, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh god, like I, I love this shit. Yeah, this is great. But like, <laughs> if I didn't laugh, I wouldn't like it. But I do laugh, and that's what a comedy is about. All right, good, because I agree. I'm right there with you. This movie is f- so funny. It's my, like I said, it's also my kind of comedy. Yeah, where it's just like harsh, and and I, I just love that stuff that can kind of disturb you like that, mm. but you can laugh at it. Also, the fact that they cast Ferris Bueller. Yeah, I was thinking that the entire time. Like, oh, like he's kind of like, it feels like he's come back in a weird way. Yeah, I don't think it was intentional. I read about that in the novel as well. Um, So, But it does definitely, like you kind of feel his presence because of that character in a weird way. Yeah, well, I think there's just something very cynical about the idea that the once rebellious cool kid. Yeah when he grows up, just gets stuck doing the very thing he despised as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's sort of what this character is about. At one point in time, he had high hopes for his life, and uh, he's convincing himself that he's doing good work, but really he's just tearing to shreds this this little girl's hopes and dreams. But, like, losing his mind doing it, too. You could almost see it as a sequel to Ferris Bueller, like a really dark sequel in right. that way. Because I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, what if this happened to Ferris Bueller? And I'm like... Oh my god, I could see him do almost everything he does in this movie just out of anger and and, and frustration. Right. It works, yeah. And the end of the movie, too, where yeah. he becomes a museum guide. Who the fuck does she think she is? <laughs> and he still thinks that's teaching. He considers that teaching. It's so sad. Being a docent at the Museum of Natural History. Oh my god. Good stuff. I'm so glad you liked it. Yes, I loved, I loved this movie. I am two for two. High five me. 
All right. This is a movie you didn't finish. I'm going to call you out for that. <clears throat> yeah, I know. But I've seen most of it. The I talented have, Mr. Ripley. I have like half an hour to go in the movie. It's the last time I watch Ron. Hey, at least I, I, hey, this is at least I watched most of it. You had three days. Yeah, I know. I got sick. I got very, very sick. I was not feeling movies. I didn't watch any movies. Dude, that's like the only time I watch movies <coughs> when I get sick. Listen to me, still. Man, you are in bad shape. No, I know. Written I... and directed by Anthony Mangella. Yep. Academy Award winning. Yeah, Anthony I know. Mangella for the English Patient. That's right. Starring Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jude Law, Kate Blanchett, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Whoa, what a cast! Mm-hmm. Nominated for five, count them five. Academy Awards, Best Supporting Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, and Best Original Score seems too short of a list. Yeah. In the late 1950s, New York, Tom Ripley, a young underachiever, is sent to Italy to retrieve Dickie Greenleaf, a rich and spoiled millionaire playboy. (laughs) But when the errand fails, Ripley takes extreme measures. (laughs) That's putting it mildly. One of five Tom Ripley films. There are four others. 1960's Purple Noon, 1977's The American Friend, 2002's Ripley's Game, and 2005's Ripley Underground. Hmm. I didn't even know about that. There you go. Only one of those movies is of note. (laughs) I think 2002, John Malkovich played Tom Ripley. Yes. So there you go. All right. Talk to me. Uh, this movie's really fucking disturbing. Oh. Yeah. It is. It's a lot of fun, though. It, yeah. It's a lot of fun, and it's, it's, it's weird. It's a very, I don't, I, ew, it's a... What's weird about it? Uh, I, I don't know. Just, like, the, the, the asympathetic character and the lengths he's willing to go to become this other person for not a lot of reason. Well, he's a sociopath. Well, Yeah. I mean, like, what is Hannibal Lecter's reason? I guess. Other than he's a sociopath, I suppose. No, I like that. Yeah. I like that about the movie. But it, again, it's just, it makes it more disturbing and odd. But it's also because you don't usually see sociopaths portrayed this way. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's, he kills people in this, but it's not in a, in a way that makes him like, feel like a literal monster. It just feels like, it, like in the moment, it feels like it's what he has to do. Well. I guess. Like I, I suppose, like when when he actually kills someone, it's not like it doesn't feel like anything that could have happened in like some like horrifying story. It, this does not feel like a scary story whatsoever to me. It's just very unsettling. Are you talking about when he kills the major character that I won't spoil midway through the movie? Yeah, but also even uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay. Do neither of those land for you? Is that the problem? No, I love them. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you were just sort of it was you felt it was off kilter. And a, you kind of like that. Yes, in a good way. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is Damon's performance mm-hmm. because he plays this just like as a straight movie star. Yeah, Which exactly. I think is really interesting. And not a lot of characters like this are played as just straight charismatic movie stars. Yeah, because it's like on the surface you would just guess that he is the everyman. Really. Right. It's not like Hannibal Lecter was like, that guy's fucked up. Right. It's like this guy's like, oh, this is a nice person and I would love that. And that's very appropriate for his character. Right. Well, he's attractive. Yeah. He's young. He's the center of multiple romances in this movie. And all of the other stuff is just under the surface. And I think it's hard to allude to that darker side 
while still plausibly fucking lots of women. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's hard to do the shit that he's doing in this movie, like befriending this young couple and have it, carrying on a romance with Kate Blanchett and then carrying on another romance with a man. <laughs> like you just don't, you, you couldn't frolic around Italy having loads of sex while also telegraphing to people that you're a serial killer. Sure. So I think it had to be played that way. Mm-hmm. And that's also like the theme of this movie is what you see is not always what you get. I know. And there's this dark evil side of a person and there's someone that you wouldn't even recognize if you just dug a little deeper beyond the surface, you know? Well, in this case, it's just if you push him the right way, right. which is what I really liked about it. Because it's weird because there, there are so many instances in this movie where it's like I feel like is even though he, he has like little to no morals, it's like you, you still kind of like him. I guess, like, I don't know. I sort of like the guy. <laughs> I'm drawn to him, I think. Yeah, I'm at least interested in him. Right. But it, it's just, it is, I, maybe it is just something about Damon's performance, but he really does, like, even even after he's done these horrible things, he still kind of feels like a good guy. Mm. I don't know what it is about that performance, but it's it's oddly captivating in that Do you way. like Damon's performance? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, a I lot. do, too. I a love lot. it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I actually think it's one of my favorite Damon performances. Yeah. I think it's great. It's, again, like... uh for everything that I've seen of it, it's, uh, oh man. Better than Goodwill Hunting? Mm, maybe. I think so. It seems like the harder performance in a lot oh, of ways. Oh, for sure. This, well, and this is another example of a film where it's an actor acting like he's acting. Right. Did I say that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's many a scenes where he has, you know, obviously because of uh, he's constantly taking on multiple identities, he has to lie to people and mm-hmm. tell them that I am this other guy that you're looking for, you know. And I would say, though, if like I can compare it to a similar film from the era, although it's a bit lighter, Leo and Catch Me If You Can, I don't think is anywhere near as good as Damon is in this. Yeah, maybe. And those are both movies where the guy is acting, acting. Sure. And this one to me feels a little more naturalistic and just I just I think you're right. I think it's just more interesting and more captivating the way he plays it. Yeah, and also there's more meat on the bone in terms of the character. Oh yeah. Cuz you never quite understand him, which is l- at least all the way through. Yeah. You you get I at a certain point you just kind of get that he just likes doing this kind of thing right. because he's a sociopath and whatnot. You know, they just enjoy like fucking with people. Uh but aside from that, like you, you're just kind of drawn in by his his again another one of these movies where the character is just totally depraved and you just can't get enough of that. What is it with depraved characters that we love? Because <laughs> we're kind of depraved. Yeah, maybe that's why. Just you and I specifically, or people? Yeah, people. <laughs> well, just you. And, well, you know, you know me on a bad day. If you know, I'm having a bad hair day. <laughs> like today yeah <laughs> fuck you bro <laughs> i haven't left the house today um jude law Ooh, unrecognizable incredible really good in this movie incredible i was like stunned by how good he was next level good in this yeah and this was sort of his like star making performance i don't think there were any other major roles before this um but it's almost confusing. You watch this movie and you're like, why is this not one of our five biggest movie stars? Yeah. Like, he should be one of those dudes. He's excellent. And I just think it was just weird choices after that. I suppose. You know? He is so good. Oh, my God. So charismatic. So funny. The comic relief. Him and Philip Seymour Hoffman both sort of provide the comic relief. Oh, my relief. God. Philip Seymour Hoffman. is. You know, what What can you say about Philip Seymour Hoffman? We'll talk more about him in a second, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's great. What a year for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well... 
like most of the late 90s. Yeah. It was good for Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. So you liked it. Oh, yeah. I liked it a lot. Okay. You know, and I get, I still have to finish the rest of it. Uh, but from what I've seen of it, it's actually kind of great. Good. I will say. <laughs> Is there something that you don't like about it? No, there, there's nothing. I really like this movie. Okay. I nominated it for a reason. I really like it. I think you sort of grade on a curve when you film it in Italy. What do you mean? I think like just it's impossible to film a movie in Italy without it being stunning. Oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> a I, movie filmed in Italy without, like, what do you mean? Like the look of the movie? Yeah, I just think about, wow, what a visual like masterpiece this movie is. And then I think, oh... I mean, they're just shooting it the same way they would shoot it <laughs> well, they're just sh- in Wisconsin, except they're in fucking Italy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure I could find examples. I can't think of one movie show. The, what was the gay peach one that came oh, out? Uh, Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name, that's true. That's that true. movie is only gorgeous because it's in Italy. I mean, what about like like Angels and Demons? Never saw it. I like Angels and Demons, actually. You do? Yeah. I stopped after the Da Vinci Code. I wouldn't necessarily say that that movie is like a visual marvel, though. Another one is maybe like Don't Look Now. Never saw it either. Nicholas Rogue film, and it's awesome. Uh-huh. It's amazing, and really, it's got a freaky fucking ending. Yeah. You might like it. It's just, it's very strange. <coughs> I just don't think you film a movie in Italy and it doesn't look great. That's all. Sure. Best part of The Godfather in Italy. <coughs> Uh, yes. visual point of view yeah i agree with that it's just that something about that country it just like lends itself to film it's but it's just funny though because like it like a lot of this movie it takes place in venice and if you've ever been to venice like it's not really that nice oh really no it's actually kind of disgusting really it's falling apart the water is nasty it doesn't always smell great you have to go to like a few restaurants i mean the food's amazing but uh yeah as far as like a, a visual standpoint the most interesting thing is the fact that there are rivers running through it right so. and you take gondolas everywhere yeah exactly Okay. I'm glad you liked it. It mm. sounds like you're not as enthusiastic as the other two, though. Well, I need to finish it. Okay. Oh, by the way, Tommy Wiseau's inspiration for the room. Tommy Wiseau's inspiration? That's what he says. Okay. That's what Greg Sestero said. That's creepy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> See, I read The Disaster Artist, and it's actually a big plot point in, in the book. Yeah. 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 It, they... they the whole each chapter starts with a quote from like either Sunset Boulevard or uh, uh, Talented Mr. Ripley, which is very interesting. I mean, I can kind of see it. It's about like best guy friends that turn on each other. Like one guy wants to be the other, and you think he might be infatuated with him. Right. That's the other kind of you know noteworthy detail. It's not quite <laughs> what the room's about, but I could sort of see what he's going. No, for. no, no, no. But it's definitely uh, Greg Sestero told Tommy or. Er, Greg Sestero was recommended to watch it by a friend of his, and the friend thought that uh, Tommy was more like uh, Tom Ripley with Greg. Yeah. So it's like like his buddy's like, have you seen The Talented Mr. Ripley? He's like, no, no, I haven't. He's like, Greg, you have to watch this movie. You have to watch it. Just trust me. <laughs> oh, that's not a thought I'd like to entertain for much longer. Let's move on. Okay. The Sixth Sense. Ooh, yeah. When M. Night Shyamalan was good. Like, really good. Like, really good. Yeah, he just sort of came and went, didn't he? Yeah, kind of. Where does it stop with you? His run? Yeah. Signs. All right. I ride for signs. I kind of like it. No, I like signs, too. I don't hate the village. 
Like a lot of people despise it. I'm like, no, it's not that bad. It's not definitely not all that good. But I'm like, okay, I'll give him another shot. I hate the village. It's Lady in the Water that's just like, well, what the yeah, fuck? The Lady, that was what, his fourth, fifth movie? Yeah, I think so. It's like, what did you do to us? You the know? Happening. Oh, The Happening is just great, though. Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> He's sort of coming back, seems like. However, I, I heard that new one was terrible, Glass. I didn't hear that, though. Really? I heard a lot of all over the place thoughts. Like some people thought it was I didn't hear anyone say it was terrible. I heard a lot of people be like it's sort of anticlimactic or people were saying that they absolutely loved it. And I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "Okay, weird." I love Split. Oh, see, I was not <laughs> that pro Split. I love Split. I see that I don't I thought, understand. See, I thought Split was dope. Really? Yeah. I thought the performance was pretty good. I thought it sort of devolved into just comic book bullshit for the most of it. I mean, it's about a supervillain. No, I know, but it was, uh, and I didn't, I didn't particularly love the twist. Uh, did you see the visit? No, I saw like chunks of it, but it wasn't that great. But I, I also saw chunks of it. Never watched yeah. it front to back. It was whatever. After Earth. Oh God, didn't see it. Yeah, just a bunch of shit movies. <laughs> uh, but this was the one that put him on the map. Uh, M Night Shyamalan, written and directed by. Starring Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osment, and Tony Collette, nominated for six Oscars. Jesus. Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Editing. This was at one point the highest grossing horror movie of all time until It came around. Mm -hmm. That's now the number one highest grossing. AFI, very bullish on this movie. Number 60 on their 100 thrills list. Number 44 on their 100 movie quotes list, I yep. See Dead People. And number 89 on their all-time movie list. AFI says this is the 89th best movie of all time. Mm, okay. A boy who communicates with spirits seeks the help of a disheartened child psychologist. We're allowed to spoil this movie, right? People are... No, we can't spoil it. How do you know? How do you know, Nico? It's just like it's part of... Like culture, right? Okay, here's the thing. And the problem with like us and when we were alive <clears throat> and when we actually finally watched this movie is that everybody knew the fucking twist. Everyone. So I knew going into this exactly what it was about. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought that would sort of hamper my experience with it. But that being said, uh, when I first saw it, I like was kind of taken by the movie. I was surprised by how well the movie actually worked given the fact that I already knew the twist, mm. if I'm being honest. But honestly, I think that's a... a a big uh, praise for the film that it can still work on that level. Because sometimes you get movies that will completely deflate after you know what the big twist is, and there's really no reason to go and revisit it. So, what do you feel about that, though? I've only watched it once. Ooh, okay. I've only watched it once. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. I have, And it's on TV quite a bit. But I've never felt compelled to revisit it. Yeah, I revisit it like frequently, actually. So, uh, I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know what my reaction would have been had I seen it in 1999 in the theater. When did you see it? I don't know. Like, probably age 16, 17, something like that. Was it like hampered by like pe people who have who had talked about it for you? It wasn't really like that for me, at least. Well, I don't think anyone really talked it up. I just knew the twist as part of. Pop culture. That's yeah. all. 
And same with Blair Witch. Like, we talked about that last week. However, I think Blair Witch is still more affecting. Oh, my God. If you know what's coming and you know that it's fake as opposed to The Sixth Sense, which a lot of that magic is on that twist. A ton of it. I don't necessarily feel that way. I think the movie still kind of works. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I think it's very well directed and Haley Joel Osment (laughs) is awesome in it, as is Toni Collette. Um, It's one of her great horror performances and what I think will become a string of great horror performances. Um, Bruce Willis, I think, is fine. I think you can put a lot of people yeah, in yeah. that role and Bruce, it well, still works. Bruce, here's the problem is that Bruce Willis is usually just whatever. He's really not that great. Yeah. He's John McClane, and that's kind of it. And just everything else, right? Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that Bruce Willis is like, really great Because I don't even... Honestly, I don't love him in his role in Pulp Fiction. I think he's fine. I really like him in it. But again, it's not... I, I still think anybody probably could have played that role. Yep. So I agree with you. Yeah, there's a... There's a real Spielberg quality to this movie. And yeah. I, and I think that's what a lot of critics latched onto when M. Night hit the scene. Well, they, like, call, they called him the next Spielberg. Yeah. So. And I appreciate that. There's like a lot of traditional good storytelling in this. And that's, I think, uh, here's the problem. M. Night's just a better director than he is a screenwriter. Oh, my God. And he just needs to stay away from the typewriter. He's. I think he's a great director in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. There are flashes of excellence when he's behind the camera, and he's just like, he's really good at the traditional paint-by-number shit, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way. Mm -hmm. Like, he just knows where to put the camera in order to elicit a specific reaction out of you. He knows where to put the music. He knows how to cut the thing, pacing. He's just very good at sort of the basics of filmmaking, similar to Spielberg. And I just wonder what his work would be like if he just never wrote. Yeah, if he just took someone else's script. I'm sure it would be actually really great. Yeah. It's always a shame when that happens, you know? Because that's something that people have been saying for a while now, especially when he, like, fell off of his streak. Yeah. Like, oh, this guy... Like, it's funny that I've talked to people who aren't really into film, but even they recognize, like, Jesus, like, this guy's got to stop writing his own movies. I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Ah. for, For this, though, like, I really do love the... I think maybe the thing that sells it for me is his his firm direction and uh, the performances. It's just, a, you know, and that's a kind of like a fundamental combination with any film, but it just really works for me here. It's why I guess it's had more of a life for me. I don't know. Is this movie scary? No. Maybe that's another problem. Mm-hmm. Not for me, anyway. Well, I find the scene the, the scene where he's encountering the ghosts in his... In the school. No, in in his apartment, and he he has to like like retreat from from them like under the uh, like a chair or something. Right, like that scene's actually really freaky. There's some freaky moments. I don't think the movie as a whole is a scary scary experience. It's certainly not the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, I think. Well, maybe that's not a problem. I I don't I don't necessarily want to define a movie in as one genre or another, and then like add demerits because it doesn't hit the certain benchmark of that genre so it's like called a horror movie but it's not really a horror movie well i don't know and i i don't know if that's a knock on it would you have preferred that it be scarier i mean it's a pg-13 and it's also a disney movie disney financed this movie so i don't know i don't know it's hard for me to judge what is scary though the problem with like judging horror movies is that what is scary to people is totally subjective yeah I mean, there are fil- plenty of films that got released that people were just terrified by, but I'm like, no, it's perfectly easy on me. Yeah. You know, like, I, or I'm abs- I'm still terrified by the Blair Rich Project, but I have talked with people who don't feel that way at all. Like, they didn't, they weren't scared even in the slightest, and mm. it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. But, you know, so that's, 
it's I don't know, it's hard to judge, but it certainly has the content of a horror film, and I would say it looks like a horror film. You know? Yeah, it does. And know, it my, deals with dead people, so yeah. I guess that makes it a horror film by definition. Sort of. I mean, my parents s- still think it's very scary whenever it's on TV. So It's just that one shot when they're in the school, and I think he sees like the, the dead person hanging, hanging or something. That's freaky. That That's the only shot that freaked me out. Other than that, I thought it was just uh, your run-of-the-mill thriller with a really awesome twist. Mm-hmm. And I guess... Yeah, I guess I'm coming around on this movie is super iconic and needs to be nominated because like that twist changed movies in many ways. Oh yeah, well that's the thing is that I think it's the certainly the most iconic film of this list. Yeah. To me it had uh if and when we get to our our criteria here, I think it like wins outright in two categories. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. But we'll talk about it. I'm just not sure I love this movie. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that I love it either. Honestly, it's but it's a film that I I think is very 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 solid. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite uh, Shyamalan film. Maybe I, I think it's got to be by default uh, for me. I'd have to revisit Unbreakable. Yeah, that's the only one even close. Yeah, but no. Well, spoiler alert: we don't really love Shyamalan. Period. <laughs> but being honest, though, like I I've had a better time with Split than I have The Sixth Sense. Yeah, I really don't get split. I think that performance is really good, and like other than that, who cares? I found that old lady character to be very annoying. Shyamalan will do that sometimes. He'll like put in the audience avatar, mm. sort of like the Ellen Page role in Inception, Oof. where it's like you just put in the character to explain shit. And she does that frequently, and she, like in that case, those are always the worst characters. Yeah, and Shyamalan does that a lot, and sometimes he plays that character in his movies. And it's very over the top and obnoxious. Yeah, we re- Jesus, we highly recommend you watch uh, Lady in the Water because it's. We did that on Why Is This a Thing, yes. didn't we? It's one of the first ones <laughs> that I was ever on for. I think it was the first one that I came back for was Lady in the Water. You came on and you were like, "Let's do Lady in the Water." Mm. What a great start! <laughs> that explains a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Look, um, man, I feel like I'm being too pessimistic about the Sixth Sense. No, it's a great movie. It's it's not one that. Uh, Either of us, I think, love, but I like. I'm fond of the movie. I, you know, I certainly think it's worth nominating. I think you have to nominate it. Yeah, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, that twist just means too much. Sure, take that twist out. You're not talking about the movie. Oh, listen to you. Did you hear what you just did? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To I'm gonna bring this up again, I fucker. To, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Anyway. It's a better movie than Memento. Is that fair? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Sure. We're even now, right? <laughs> All right. Okay. Final movie. This was a movie I put on this list just to get revenge on you. <laughs> it is the only reason why I nominated it. <laughs> I want to make that very clear. Okay. Magnolia. Written and directed by one of my favorite filmmakers of all time, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. I believe the best filmmaker of this generation. I still believe that. Of this generation? Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Of his generation. Probably, yeah. yeah. Starring Tom Cruise, Philip Baker Hall, William H. Macy, Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Jason Robards, all of the usual Paul Thomas Anderson suspects. Yeah. Nominated for three Oscars, including Best Supporting Actor for Old Cruise, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Original Song. An epic mosaic of interrelated characters in search of love, forgiveness, and meaning in the San Fernando Valley. 
Hmm. You rewatched this movie this week? I had to. I had to rewatch it. And? Yeah. Oh, I really like it. Oh, good. I do. I do really like this movie. <laughs> okay. And I, I was never going to be that harsh on it. Uh, I, I'm I'm certainly not in love with it. But, uh, yeah, th- there's 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 a, quite a bit to chew on with this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it it's just so... I don't know. It's a... It's, it's another one of those that's just very hard for me to talk about. It's one that I can relate to quite a bit, actually. But, uh... Yeah, it's it's definitely Paul Thomas Anderson. Maybe like too much Paul Thomas Anderson if I'm being honest. So I read the behind the scenes on this. I believe it was Columbia or Warner Brothers, whoever Oh, Touchstone Pictures is who he was under contract with. Mm-hmm. He had just made Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights was not a like tremendous box office hit, but did very well with critics, did very well at the Oscars, and it was obvious like oh this guy is like go in places we have to keep him under contract and at a last ditch effort the studio was like here's as much money as you want literally make whatever you want we won't give you a single note just do it and that's what you get that's when you get when you have a visionary filmmaker and if anyone can be described as a visionary filmmaker it's paul thomas anderson sure he just threw everything he had into this movie because he believed he may never get the opportunity to make this story again. So just do it. This is like, I mean, this story? Yeah. In quotes? Sure. <laughs> sure. Like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, an, this is like a good version of Inherent Vice. You saw Inherent Vice? Yeah, and it's a, it's a mess. I can't stand that movie. Yeah, that movie's... F- I actually fucking hate it. Yeah, that movie's all over the fucking place. It's actually an abhorrent movie. <laughs> and it, it, that movie pissed me off. I saw that movie. It's one of those few I, movies that pissed me the fuck off. I told you to watch it. And yeah, I did recently. And I'm like, yeah, I, here's what you said. You're like, he... Uh, he's never made a bad movie. I'm like, well, have you seen Inherent Vice? Right. And you're like, no, I haven't. I'm like, well, go watch it. I saw it not too long ago, too. I might have saw it maybe earlier this year, late last year. You would have seen it after we did our Phantom Thread discussion. Okay. This... You know, it uh, this this movie made me like uh, Phantom Thread a lot more, if I'm being honest. And it it made me dislike uh, Inherent Vice even more. It's weird. Hmm. Like, what do you mean by that? Uh, I, I, I just like I like if like if if Paul Thomas Anderson is gonna go for it, I like it when he just throws everything at the wall like this. Okay. Uh, I, there's I don't know what it is about inherent vice. It's just boring. Yeah, it's just really fucking boring, and it doesn't do anything. It doesn't know what I don't know where that movie's going. I don't know what the point of anything is. Yeah. Whereas like this, at least I feel like there's stuff to mine from it. I also don't really love Joaquin's performance in it. And that is sort of the thrust, because most of the movie is in his head. I mean, or, or it's like within his point of view. Yeah, yeah. And there's not like a ton of fun supporting characters. Yeah, that's certainly true. I think uh, Martin Short shows up. I was just about, I like Martin Short in that quite a bit, but that's kind of it. Other than that, I, I, can't, even, I can't even name another character actor that was in it. Josh Brolin is in it. Oh, right. Like, yeah, yeah, briefly, yeah. though. It's Very, like, yeah. Yeah, that movie's just a, a, a duller. What is he? He plays like the police chief, right? Yeah, something. He says like, like corrupt police chief like or something. Like Panqueco or some shit like that. I remember him like yelling at someone in Spanish. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's one of those movies that is so like like complicated for no reason that you just forget about it. Right. I think this movie, 
is the opposite. It is very unforgettable. Yes. Like there's a lot. It's, yes. Whether you want to call it a flop or a success, which by the way, it is one of those movies you could go one way or the other. Oh, absolutely. And I buy both arguments. You know, which is also another reason why I nominated it. Mm-hmm. I just like movies like this. I oh, yeah. like controversial movies. Oh yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's really fun to debate something like this. It's fun to debate what his intention was mm-hmm. and the stupid decisions that he makes sometimes or what appear to be stupid decisions on the surface. Sure. But then you dig a little deeper and you're like, oh, there might be more to this. Yeah. It's you no, know, it's like charming though. Yeah. I I find this movie incredibly charming in a lot of scenes. Like even if I don't understand what the fuck the point of something was, I'm like well, you know, there, there's there's character to that. Yep. It's and it's clearly his signature everywhere. I he's he's interesting though. I remember watching this and thinking like, this feels like something like like it has like a similar like Scorsese style at times. Yep. Like the way he moves the camera and just the cutting of his films, and it just 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 the rhythm of the movie is very much like Scorsese at a lot of times. But the sense of humor is completely different. Right. And it's and we talked about this in our Phantom Thread uh, discussion that it is so different from everybody else. Like I can only identify it as Paul Thomas Anderson, which is why I like movies like this. Huh. Yeah, I'm with you. It's sort of like emo boogie nights, you know? Oh, God. It's similar in the ensemble, and a lot of the same actors <laughs> appear in both movies, mm-hmm. but this one is much darker, much more brooding, much more um, subtle, I would say, just on a character level. Maybe not. Maybe mm. that's maybe that's not the right description. I, I'm not sure it would go subtle. Well, it's darker. Yes, absolutely. Let's put it that way. But it's almost funnier. You think? You think this is a funnier movie than Boogie Nights? I mean, maybe that's just because it's longer. <laughs> there are funnier. There are more time. More, there's more time for it to be funny. Uh, here's the thing. Like, even though I would maybe call it funnier at times, especially that opening like five minutes, which like I don't. Oh, know. right. That's I don't know. Story. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, anyway, but uh, it's not a movie I want to revisit though. Hmm. It's I I I had to do it just because I knew like when I first saw it's like I couldn't really comprehend it, and then I had to watch it again for this, you know, so I could actually talk about it. But I I don't. I thought about it a lot, though. Was there stuff you picked up on on a second viewing that you didn't get the first time? Because uh, I saw it when I was younger. I, I saw it when I was in high school. And um, I just thought it was like, it, again, I, I wasn't into film as much at that point. But then noticing certain things now. Um, like, let me give you an example. That musical number where they're all singing the same song at the same time in different locations. What did you think about it the first time? What did you think about it the second time? I didn't. I think I didn't understand what the movie was at that point. Okay. Uh, th- there's something more cosmic about it the second time, right? That works for me, right? And just like the, like the interconnectedness of everybody in the right. film that makes it work, and that's the whole movie, honestly. Sure. And one of the one of the fascinating things about this film is how it ties those people together, even though there's a lot of times where they have no contact with one, with one another. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is his rhythm and his direction, but it's also how he plays his music. Yep. Was, one of the things he does in a lot of his films, I notice, is that he keeps the music going yes. constantly. And it honestly does... Between scenes, yeah. Yeah, it ties the entire scene together. And it's like, oh, clearly there, this is all one or- organism here. Sure. And it all kind of is interconnected and it matters. And it makes that scene make more sense to me. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. Although these characters don't appear in the same scene together, there is a lot of emotional parallels that can be drawn between the two of them. Yeah. Like, there are two stories about dying fathers. Yeah. And two stories about their children coming to terms with their dying fathers. And although they're in the same location, and although some characters meet some characters who meet other characters, those are two independent stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. A lot of that sort of connects as an emotional through line more than a narrative through sure, line. Sure, yeah. 
And yeah, I'm with you on that. Because narratively, it's one of those movies where I don't really understand where it's going or sometimes even why it's going in these places. Mm-hmm. But it, but there's something about its thrust that just like, like I just I guess I kind of trust this one more than I would like Inherent Vice. Yeah, because there's a point in Inherent Vice where I'm just like I don't care movie like the places you're taking me just is not doing anything for me and I know it's not going to end that way either. So uh, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> right. Whereas like this one at least is satisfying in its ending. Yeah. It's like okay, I felt like it was worth it. Sure. Uh like but like frogs. Oh. You wanna talk about that? Sure. Okay. Where are you on the frogs? Uh uh <laughs> like okay, like Should we explain this to the lizard? Go ahead. <laughs> well we're watching a three hour movie. Mm-hmm. Just going about our business. There's some famous people in it. Yeah. These people are very sad. Quite sad, sad things happen to it's them. A, they're about to get hit their breaking point. Yeah. And among those characters, as I just mentioned, some Tom Cruise, Julianne Moore, William H. Macy, all that shit. You know, people are dying and there's regret. And just as they're, they're about to hit their emotional climax, uh, thousands of frogs start raining from the sky. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't know. I loved it, but I don't know what you thought about it. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, good. Uh, it's, it's... <laughs> oh, I, I, that's, that's my kind of shit, but it's yeah. just like in, from everything that came before, like, uh, what? I didn't think it was that out of place. Uh, I didn't. Maybe. I didn't. I thought there was an, um, there was a thrust to the movie that led up to that moment. Sure. It felt like, <laughs> to use the word natural conclusion, I guess, is is incorrect. That's factually incorrect. Sure. But it did feel like there was something coming and something outrageous coming mm-hmm. that was going to link all, all their stories together, like, or else we wouldn't be watching the movie, and that just happened to be that moment. It's like you need something truly alien and disastrous and bizarre to bring these people together, like, to understand... <laughs> almost to like put into perspective as to what like what their problems are actually worth that's kind of how i took it anyway huh like when god presents this 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 plague in front of you you'll you'll end up seeing just how bad things actually can be right fucking frogs raining from the sky and exploding and destroying your homes well i'll tell you where it came from according to the novel that i the book that i read i should say paul thomas anderson said when his father died it felt or when he got news of his father's illness it felt like frogs were raining from the sky. It's like it's outrageous to hear those words out of someone's mouth. Mm-hmm. It's like my dad's dead. What? Because it sort of defies everything you once knew about your reality. Sure. You know, he's your protector. He's your savior. He's the guy that's supposed to stand up for you. And now I'm no longer the boy. I got to be that person for someone else. And so he was looking for something, the physical embodiment of chaos and terror and just confusion about the future, because mm-hmm. that's what happens when your parent dies. But and, he he could have done something like completely different to represent that. But he decides to like go for it. And well, say, and you he know goes, what? yeah, sure. And he goes biblical too. Yeah, and it takes on this whole new meaning. And I, I will now quote from the book of Exodus. Oh, chapter great. eight. And the Lord sake unto Moses, go unto Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, and they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go. Behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. So sort of saying in 
less than subtle terms. Time to let your parents go. Time to let your demons go. Time to move on. And your failure to move on will be met with frogs coming from the sky. Yeah. All right. Which so, is interesting, right? That was close. Yeah. All right. I like that, though. No, it didn't. It didn't feel like out of place. It's just like so surprising. But I guess that works as the point of the film anyway. It didn't feel like the the it, like like you were saying the build up to it. Did it didn't feel like uh, like there's there's sort of a high that the film achieves, and it fits nicely in that high, right. so that I'm not like totally like okay, fuck you, movie. You know, right? It's not like that at all. And it's visceral too. Oh god, it's violent as fuck. Right, and people are getting into car accidents. Yeah. Like uh, William H Macy's character falls from like a telephone pole and breaks all of his teeth. Right, it's just and like... you have that braces the the, the motif <laughs> of the braces that comes into play. I love it. Yeah, it's there's blood. Oh. Like the frogs just hang out there for several days, but some of them are still alive. Too. Right, it's just like what is this shit? They it's, take it to the extreme. It's horrifying, which is what works about it for sure. Yeah. A word on Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, a word on. We're back. We're fucking back. We're back on Tom fucking. Cruise. It always comes back to Cruise. Jesus, like stop being in movies. You are <laughs> running out of bad things to say about Tom Cruise. <laughs> you are running out. No, no. Luckily, I'm not. I'm not running out of good things to say about Tom Cruise. You'll be happy to know, Nico, that I have no bad things to say about Tom Cruise this time. Thank Christ. Even you, even cynical you, could not name Tom Cruise in this movie. I will say this though. I'll. I'll. I'll sort of swing this in my favor because I think this is some of the best casting for Tom Cruise I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I think bro. he's so perfect for this role. Yeah. Because it partially because this is how I see Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's such a slimy ugh, kind of person. Yeah. I just don't want him around me. He just makes me uncomfortable. And this is like him to it. He plays it better than like anybody. I'm like, yes, you overconfident asshole. This is exactly where you belong, and it's you're, you're doing it so well. I love it. So Tom Cruise plays this motivational speaker, essentially, who has this search and destroy lesson. And it's, uh, I forget exactly what his mantra is. Well, the point is essentially uh, seduce women, uh, fuck them, and leave them, and you'll be, your manhood will be achieved. And it's sort of like pre-incel. Yeah. You know the incels, the involuntary celibates? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it like those angry people on Reddit or whatever that hate women because they're not getting laid. Uh, that's basically a physical embodiment of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like so strangely real, and it makes yeah. sense. Like a guy with daddy issues would, or and mommy issues would have the very same uh feelings toward women. It's creepy. It's un- so ugh, it's so slimy. Yeah, but I find it very funny. Oh yeah. It's it's like it's it's one of those uh, if you want to call it a comedy act. It's yeah. one of those comedy acts that's both equally as funny as it is uncomfortable. Right. Which is why I like it so much. Yeah. The monologues that he has in front of the audience are just delectable. Tame the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tom Cruise. And when he's talking to Jason Robards at the end, great. I uh, mean, just terrific. Great stuff. Just terrific. Yeah. I will not cry for you so good dude he is he is he is going for it it's one of it's and it is over the top as fuck but i mean again for this story it just kind of works for him for him it works very well well there's a lot of overacting in this movie and i think some of it is intentional and that's some of the things that the movie was criticized for was being a little melodramatic yeah and there are times where i kind of agree with that yeah 
I do, although I do like the line, if those dogs come near, <laughs> if those dogs come near me, I will drop kick them. I will drop kick your fucking dogs. I'm like, Cruz had daddy issues in real life. No surprise there. Father died of cancer. Uh, disavowed him at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Changed his last name. Lost his mother early on. Basically, the exact same thing that happened to this character. Yeah. Now. Paul Thomas Anderson claims he knew nothing about this when he wrote the part and cast Tom Cruise in it. Wow. I do not believe him because this is ex- this is exactly the type of emotional arc you would want Tom Cruise to have. Mm. It is way too identical, and I think the performance thrives because of that, yeah. but I also think it broke Tom Cruise as an actor. Yeah. I think the problem was he went to such a vulnerable place in both this and Eyes Wide Shut mm-hmm. and gave essentially his entire life story to America and... Critics and the Academy and audiences were like, eh, whatever. That's just some pretentious bullshit, artsy-fartsy bullshit. Your stupid movie with the raining frogs. And ever <clears> since <throat> then, he's been making Mission Impossible and Jack Reacher movies. Wow. And, you know, it makes me annoyed at people like you for criticizing this guy because you all broke him. I Tom Cruise know. critics I'm... broke him because he did such great work in 1999, did such great work all throughout the 90s, and went to a very vulnerable place and got nothing in return for it. I'm praising him in this, though. I think he's great in this. I'm doing what the critics didn't do, goddammit. I don't know, man. I don't know. I just really like him in this movie, and I love that scene. Yeah, so do I. And, Jason uh, Robar is fucking awesome. I mean, in his he doesn't last... really do much, but... I don't care. He's awesome in it. <laughs> just laying in a bed. He's so good. I love Jason Robar. Oh, my God. <laughs> who, who gives... He could... Jesus, he could have been laying face down. I don't care. Yeah. He's so good. I love fucking... How good is he in All the President's Men? Oh, my God. By the way, great in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Or no, not Hollywood. Uh, in, in the West. In the West, yeah. Yeah, I love him in that. He's fantastic in pretty much everything. But Do this it. was his last role. Yes, it was. He yeah. actually died of cancer a year later in real life before being diagnosed. He performed this role. Yep. So it's it's really interesting. One more little anecdote. You'll find this funny. When Paul Thomas Anderson approached George C. Scott oh, about playing the role of Earl Partridge... Scott threw the script across the room saying, quote, this is the worst fucking thing I've ever read. <laughs> I thought wait, you might like that. Wait a second. So in front of PTA? I don't know, I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> George C. Scott is known for being kind of a prick. Yeah. So. He's a little self-righteous, though. He's like, he wasn't, he was like totally ungrateful for Patton and all that other shit. Like, you know. Patton was 30 years ago at this point, bro. It's like, get over yourself. It's like, I'm not going to go and accept my Oscar. Fuck you. I do love him in um, in uh, Doctor Strange Love, though. I really like him in The Hindenburg. Never seen. You don't have to see it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you came around at, at Magnolia. That really warms my cockles. The only thing I will say is get, like, Julianne Moore, I love her freakout scene in the... In the uh, Jesus, the pharmacy. It's yeah. Wonderful. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I, I could have done without her, though. Not much to do. There's something about her storyline that I just fundamentally don't care about. Yeah. I don't think it adds a lot thematically to the story. I don't. Th- I feel like you didn't really need her. I felt like we got her point from other characters. So, yeah, that's where I stand on Julianne Moore. I'm with you. Kind of underutilized in this movie. Character was a bit underwritten. Mm-hmm. Not much to do. Other than that, love this ensemble cast. Yes, me too. Very good movie. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Ready? Ready. All right. I want to get this out of the way. Yeah. Sixth Sense is the most iconic movie. 
Yeah, and so I it has the fondest legacy. And I also think it has the most impact. As far as films, yeah. I think as far as like twists are concerned, too, certainly changed the game for that. And people like, we need movies to have this now. And that was actually a big problem with movies at a certain point, was that they needed to do that. And they needed to stick to a similar formula, if not necessarily being horror films. You don't love that movie, though. No. I don't love that movie either. No. We got to consider it, though. We do. But that's not everything. I mean, in the past, we have scrapped movies that we don't love in favor of movies that are less iconic. Sure. Right? So, like, there's, it's a balancing act, man. You know, mm. like, if, you, if we're talking about just iconic, I mean, Star Wars Episode One. a lot of people saw that movie. And a lot of people still talk about that movie, but it's a shit movie. Episode, so, oh, oh, you uh, know, you mean episode? I thought you said like like Phantom the, Menace. I'm yeah, talking about. So, you know, you have to. It's it's a balance. Yeah, but I I still think it's sort of leaning in the Sixth Sense's favor. I don't. We can't cross it off. It is the favorite right now. Yeah, I agree with you. It's the favorite. What is your least favorite movie on this list? My least favorite. Yeah. Ooh, it's probably Office Space. Okay. Now. That was another one. I'll admit to you before we started, and I'm, it's sad to see that you're a little pessimistic on it. That's one you could actually make an argument for. Mm. It's very iconic, and I would say the style of comedy. Sure. The Mike Judge, dry, understated style of comedy had a lot of impact on the next 10 to 15 years. Maybe not so much in film, but on television. Maybe, yeah. You know? So, like, you can make the argument on impact, and some of those characters, some of those quotes are have a fairly fond legacy as well. I w- would still wouldn't say it overshadows or comes close to The Sixth Senses, though. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. And I also think The Sixth Sense is just a better movie. Okay. So we can cross off Office Space. Mm-hmm. Um, Magnolia <laughs> is just not the type of movie to induct here. <laughs> no. It's just a big experiment, and it's loud, and it's crazy. Yeah. And I love it to death, but that's a movie for you and I to appreciate in our own bubble. It is not one for a Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's 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 right down there with the with the American Psychos. Leave it for the film nerds. Leave it yeah. for them. It's theirs. Yeah. So I will cross that one off as well. Okay. That's fine. And uh, I think we have to get rid of Mr. Ripley. Even though I, from what I've seen of it, it's kind of fantastic, but you haven't finished it. Yeah. So now we can't induct it because you haven't seen it. Yay. Fine. It's <laughs> gone. Now we are down to three movies. Mm-hmm. Interesting movies too. Oh yeah. This is where it gets fun. Oh yeah. I think The Insider is the best classical movie on this list. Oh, I think it's the best movie. I I'm split on it though with election i loved election i'm so happy i fucking loved election Ugh. i I think it beats out quality i oh man this is this is weird because i'm ready to do something crazy bro that's all i'm ready to make not the safe choice if you're there with me yeah i know will you take the leap with me is the question adam hall yeah you will? Sure. You'll yeah. hold my hand and we'll we'll do this together? Oh, if we're getting crazy, then I'm just going election all the way. So, suicide pact, we're crossing out six cents. Yeah, sure. We're, we're good with it. 
Well, yeah, we'll, I'll, we'll be dead in a couple days, but we can do that. I'm cool with it. <laughs> I'm cool with it. It's gone, Sixth Sense. Screw the rules. Okay. Who needs rules? I'm fine with it's that. It's our Hall of Fame. Yeah. There are two movies here that I adore, <laughs> that you also adore, and we should put one of them in. Okay, I'm fine with that. Okay. Let's do it. What do you think? Oh, this feels good. The Insider oh. or Election? Mm. Huh. Oh, they're both so good. They are. Damn, I don't know. Uh, yeah, because now I'm just like throwing all of our criteria out of the out of the way. Now I'm just like, okay, which one feels the 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 best? Oh boy. Mm. I think The Insider is the best movie. Yeah, I do too. I think Election is by far and away the one with the fonder legacy. You think so? I do. I don't know. No one has seen The Insider. You think anybody's seen Election? More people have seen Election. Uh, I don't know about that. The Reese Witherspoon thing. We have Reese Witherspoon because of this movie. Sure. Um, that archetype has been mimicked several times over. Okay. And I just think like in terms of movies about the era and movies about us, I think Election says a lot more about us than The Insider does. Although I think they're both excellent works of commentary. Social commentary specifically. Okay. Wow. So what do you think? Those are my arguments. You know what? Here's what I'll do. What? I've given you a hard time. Yeah. I'm going to extend an olive branch in the hopes that you will get me back later. What do you mean? What are you doing? Well, we're going to draft for another year. And I really don't want you to be a douchebag. So here's what I'm going to do. It's not a deal, but it's a, it's a sign of good faith. I'm going to let you pick the winner. Next year? Of this, of this year. You can pick whatever you want. I'll go with you. And I'm hoping and praying that you don't fuck me later. That's all. What, for 1984? Yeah. I had a sick plan, man. I know. I had a sick This is this is me foul. extending the olive branch. I had the worst of the worst plans that would you you would not have been able to I am extending uh, the olive branch, Adam Hall. But it could have been so much fun. Will for the you listeners. take it? <laughs> Will you take uh, it? Oh, they, they would have loved to hear me just like 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 just eat at you, you know? For you to just get so pissed off. Oh, man, I should just tell that. Damn. But I can't turn down generosity like this. Pick your movie. The Insider. Wow. Yeah, okay. Whoa. Yeah, okay, The Insider. Yeah. What a twist. Okay. Wow. The Insider. Yeah. 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 Okay. I am stunned. <laughs> wow. Oh, I love election. I thought you were going election. The Insider. Yeah. Wow. Let's give a let's give a, a voice to a to a film. <laughs> what a what a bold move. I'm fine with that. I respect it. Thank you. Wow, I respect it. Hmm? The Insider. Congratulations. Hmm? In the Movie Hall of Fame. 
you've done something inside of you. You've gone places. You're on, you're on the movie Hall of Fame <laughs> for too many thoughts. Look at that. The Matrix and the Insider. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Our two representatives from the year 1999. What a podcast. All right. Let's do this. Oh, God. I can't. Be, do you want to know what I was going to do? I want to know. What we, well, no, you can tell me after. Okay. All right. The next week, uh, next week's episode will be the films of 1984. Okay. Okay. Fine. You know what you're doing? Yeah. All right. Um, uh, rock, paper, scissor for this shit because this might get ugly. All right. You want to go first or second? Oh, I wish I could have done what I was going to do. Oh, it would have been so funny. <laughs> do your thing. <laughs> All right. Because I'm a man of my word. Uh, I'll start with Repo Man. Amadeus. Amadeus. Ooh, okay. All right. Uh, number two, A Nightmare on Elm Street. hate you so much <laughs> i thought we weren't doing the evil plan that's not the, no that was not my evil plan this is not the evil plan <laughs> no <laughs> terminator go good. ahead good for you yeah the terminator don't 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 call my bluff go for it go for it you think I give a shit? I just put the insider in the movie Hall of Fame. You think I give a shit? Purple Rain. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. No, I don't actually want it on. No, I'm serious, bro. I don't want it on. Uh, you sure? I'm sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't want it. I actually thought about it. I don't think it's one of the top six movies. All right. I actually, I actually, I appreciate the gesture. <laughs> I do. All right. I no, I don't. I've I, never seen it. Oh wow! I have never seen Purple Rain. Everyone's seen it except for me. No, uh, I. Uh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, I actually don't want it on. All right. There's a few interesting ones here. And you went with Amadeus. I did. And oh, you went with Repo Man. <laughs> I did. Well, Repo Man's fantastic. There's some interesting comedies on here that I wish I could nominate it just to have you watch them. Oh, boy. You know what I'm going to go with? I'm going to go with a comedy. Oh, I know where you're going with this. This is Spinal Tap. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Okay. And, um... All right, this is not too bad. We, I can deal with this. No. Yeah, that that was one I was thinking about, actually. Oh, I think it's very important. It's a, it's a good one to nominate. But a man, there, there's some really hilarious movies that came out. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me just pull up real quick. So, no, I'm not doing Ghostbusters. All right. So, it's 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 off. It's not going on. That's fine. You're okay with that? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure the audience will not be, but... No, they won't. <laughs> we'll talk about... We'll, have, we'll definitely have a segment about Ghostbusters. Yeah, for sure. Um... So I'm I'm stuck between the Karate Kid and something a little frisky. So I'm gonna go a little frisky. 
and say Paris, Texas. How do you like them apples? I didn't even see Paris, Texas on there. That one escaped me. How do you like them apples? Movie that literally nobody has seen. Yes. And we're going to talk about it. One of my favorite movies. How do you like that list? Oh, spoiler. I love Paris, Texas. How do you like that list? That's a good list. Not bad, right? It's a weird list. Not bad. But you have to watch two movies. I do. So. One of which you will probably love, the other which you will probably hate. Cool. Next week, Repo Man. Nightmare on Elm Street. Paris, Texas. Amadeus. This is Spinal Tap. And... The Terminator. The Terminator. Okay. It's not bad. What was your plan? (laughs) I was going to (laughs) nominate. I was going to do... I was going to put Repo Man on there no matter what. Yeah. Uh, But I was also going to throw on uh, um, Purple Rain and Ghostbusters. So those are going to be my three nominations. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been funny. Could you imagine the shit we'd have to sip through? (laughs) Listen, I'm very comfortable saying Ghostbusters is not one of the six best movies from that year. Well, you're wrong, but... You could have put it on, bro. No, because I don't love it as much as my nominees. Okay. It's okay. All right. But it's definitely one of the... It's it's definitely one of the most noteworthy films of that year. It just is. All right. Well, it's not on. Don't care if you like it or not. Well, too bad. There it goes. I might even argue it's maybe the most important one. Too bad it can't get in anymore. Yeah. It's it's really a shame. What's happening to this movie Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah. All right. We will be talking about all six of those movies next week for the class of 1984. Adam Hall, thank you very much. Thank you. This was a solid one. We We got a weird one on this time. But I'm happy about that. Me too. Yeah. This is like another Pan's Labyrinth moment. Yeah, that sits well with me. Me too. Yeah, I like that a lot. Good for you, Insider. Yeah. Listen to us on Why Is This a Thing. The two of us had a spirited conversation. Oh, yeah. About the movie Rubber. A good one. A yes. good one. Yeah. Available on the website, too many thoughtsmedia.com or tmt.media, where you can also find The Nico Show, mm-hmm. Cultured, Two Cents Radio, and some more shows around the corner. Some shtick. De- debuting very soon on yeah. the website. Tune into June of Depew. June of Depew. Coming get, next week. I can't wait for that. So why is this a thing? It's going to be the best. Yep. All right. Love you all very, very much. And until next time. Do it, Mr. M. Do it. Build me up. Fuck me. Fuck me, Mr. M. Fuck me, Mr. M.